Okay, welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast with your host, Brendan O'Neill. We are a medicinal mushroom company located on the island of Phuket, Thailand. Uh, product's not out yet, it's coming. Today, I am rocking my Siamese Dreams pajamas. I, I got that, nice. I, I thought I was going to fuck that up. Um, one of our guests, Mika, was on. She, she gave us this. I'm, I'm not here to promote it. I'm actually, I was too lazy to get dressed. And I have a special guest today that came in all the way from Canada. This is, <laughs> no, he's from Buffalo. I'm just, fuck, I'm just messing with him. Now, this is my buddy, Marty. Uh, he's living in Pensacola. We used to live in China together. And he's going to be telling us about his story of why he's visiting me. Like, who the hell would come visit me in, in Phuket? Um, and his trip to India and his business in China and India and Pensacola as well. Um, we're going to piece that all together. He's been in dealing with China and, and just business abroad for the past 15 plus years. So we're going to learn about what drove him to China, what type of business did he get into, what he's doing now, and what is next for him. Um, so without further ado, let's get this shit started. All right, Marty. You've been here for about three days. It's about time to go home tonight. Yeah. But uh, thanks for joining. Yeah, you're more than welcome. Glad I'm here. Yeah. Um, so um, he, he came down. He was doing business. Uh, well, let's let's take a step back. We'll, we'll get into that that business trip of what brought you to Mumbai and then, you know, came over to Phuket to, to chill out a little bit. And uh, But first, let's start with a little bit about your background, where are you from, and what kind of drove you to Asia. We don't need to know about your childhood, so. This isn't a fucking psych, you know, psychology. You don't want to know. No, don't. Nothing. No, maybe a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, you, you I did, did play hockey. Yeah, <laughs> I believe so. When you're from Canada. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, just take us back to you know who who was little Marty growing up and uh, what led him to go to China and what did you get involved in? Well, the Cliff Notes version is uh, originally from Buffalo, New York. We have the better view, you know, of the falls. Debatable. Not really. It's kind of settled. I'm settled on it, at least. And then went to college, was going to be a high school history teacher, graduated college. I don't know how, but I did. And after that, went home, back to Buffalo. From there, I was, you know, lined up to do master's program, get into suburbia high school, Williamsville South, high school history teacher. Everything was set up. And... Living at home, you know, working three jobs, working at an ice rink, a manager doing the retail at an ice rink, and substitute teaching. And then from there, uh, my brother's like, dude, what are you doing at home? You're stupid. You know, you don't have an amazing relationship with my parents. And then uh, he goes, why don't you look for, like, a master's program that puts you overseas? So I started looking online. I find a program that uh, that sends me to China. And I tell my brother, he's like, well, I was thinking more of like, you know, Australia or England, <laughs> somewhere where I can go and visit you and enjoy it. China's, you know, sounds pretty exotic. So I, I get into the program. I do an interview. Interview... Uh, the dean of students is talking to me and he goes, you know what, you know, there's a lot of people that have already been in part of the program. They've been overseas. They've been to China, you know, and he goes, what is your international experience? And I, with a straight face told him, 
well, I played hockey in Canada. And he laughed. <laughs> he laughed at me. And, uh, yeah, so we got, yeah. okay, so the two tracks, right? You had linguistics and you had business, right? And, and business was just kind of like how you do international business. I mean, it's not really useful, but since I had already done the linguistics part in uh, undergrad, I decided to do the, the business part. And from there, I took those classes, got my degree, graduated, went back because we had to do like uh, two more classes back in Concordia, back in California. So we went back there. Uh, then from there, took a cross-country trip all the way back to Buffalo. And it's like, you know what? I'm going back. So another buddy of mine, Noah. Going back to China. Yeah, going back to China. I think you know. No, no, Noah Vogelson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jake. Well, what, how old are you at this point? What year was this? So I was 25. So this is like 2000. Like on the second trip going back. Yeah, second yeah. trip. So 25. We're right. in the early 2000s. You know, this is all pre pre 2008. Yeah. So pre crash and everything there. So then end up going back Shenzhen university, did some uh, Chinese class there was working odd jobs. I was so poor. I was so dirt poor. Yeah. I mean, there was, there's no one. I like eating dumplings out of like a, a box. We didn't have plates. We had nothing. Right. And it's just, we're sitting there looking at each other like, Yep, we've made it, baby. This is it. <laughs> We're making it big time. Just, you know, you're, you're at, and it wasn't, and the funny part of it is, is like, you don't even realize, like, how depressing it should be. Like, cause you just, you just have so much, there's so much energy going on, right? You're like, there's so much opportunity, you know, who knows what life's going to bring you. And you're so young that you don't know what you don't know. And you're just, you're just there. Just like, no and I kind of had this, this pack together. And we just said yes to everything, right? It, it didn't matter. Like, I mean, I was a runway model. I ended up doing stuff with the Olympic Committee um, because the head of the U.S. delegation actually taught at ECC where my mom went to school. And it was just crazy the, the stuff you get involved in just because, like, people will say, hey, do you want to do this? And, you know, I, yes, yes, that was the, our standard line, you know? I mean... Just because you don't know where that's gonna, what door could open from that. Well, we just kind of in the sense that we just wanted to get the full experience of it, right? Like we're not, we're not out there trying to make a career. We don't even know anything. We just, you know what? We're just going with the good vibes, right? And then from there, you know, I'm teaching English, doing side jobs. Oh, I did a cartoon. I did a cartoon. I was a voiceover for a cartoon. Yeah, that was like some kid's cartoon, and there I am doing the voiceover for, because I mean I have such a very yeah. unique cartoon voice. You clearly, do, you do have a face for radio. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's a cartoon. Okay, I got right, you. Simmer down over there, <laughs> and then uh, you know from there, we no and I kind of went our own separate ways. He got to Conca. Uh, uh, I think it was like a huge like TV manufacturing company. I had uh, started doing uh, teaching, and then I got into trading, right? So got connected to a couple foreigners. They set up a company. All three of us were owners, per se, but 
they excluded me from having any access to the bank, right? So I had zero access to the bank, right? So they could, if we took money in, they could move it or do whatever, but I had no access to it. But we're supposed, supposedly all three equal partners, right? So I was like, dude, that just doesn't seem right. You know, and at the time I'm like 25. It's like, that's, ah, just didn't feel right. So from there, I, you know, thought I could open up my own company. You know, it's so easy. I mean, all, you, all I did was go in with a New York State ID into Hong Kong. That's all I needed. And within like two days, you are a registered company in Hong Kong. I mean, that's how easy it was. And then from there, we, you know, I made zero dollars for about a year. So what happened is the... Uh, in that company working for myself yeah, yeah. yeah and in the fine institution that we have for education they have this algorithm or what they figure out how much money they're going to give you for your master's program right the federal government says we're gonna we think it's going to cost thirty thousand dollars for you to get your master's degree so they give you thirty thousand dollars right so i had thirty thousand dollars but part of it you know is your housing your room and board and all that but with my master's program, I was able to work. Um, housing was free. So all I had to do was pay for classes. A bunch of the people like, you know, traveled, went to Europe, went back home. I think you know me pretty well. Yeah. I'm a little bit of a tight wad to say at the least. And right. so I didn't spend a single dime mm. over what they gave me. So I had $10,000. So I had used that $10,000 to live off of for one year. And, I got down to my last dollar, literally my last dollar, spent on rent, and I was like, I have to make money the next month or I have to go home. Didn't make a dime, nothing, right? So I'm, I'm on the phone, and at this point, I was, I'll back up a little bit. I was working at a sauna factory, a dry heat sauna factory. So I had met a guy that was in the in the same program learning Chinese and he owned or was an owner of a sauna factory. So it's a dry unit kit. You know, they, they come collapsible. You, you buy it, it folds up, it's infrared heat. And uh, I was doing QC on the factory floor. So I was working like, you know, eight, you know, nine hours a day on the factory floor, making sure stuff was working. But I hadn't actually had any money yet. So I was completely broke. I called home. God, I hope my parents don't hear this. <laughs> so I had called home. I mean, I was basically in tears. I talked to my father, and my father gets on, and he goes, I, I, I need $500 for rent. Can, can you guys give me $500 for rent? Just send it to my U.S. account. I'll take care of the rest. I'll figure it out. Dad's, yeah, yeah, no problem. No problem. Not take care of it. Don't worry. Like, and I was, like, holding back, choking up. <laughs> my mom gets on the phone. My mom gets on the phone. She goes, we are not giving you the money. This is a loan. You have to pay us back. And if you ever ask us for any more money, you, all you're getting is a one-way ticket back home. And I am like, I was speechless, right? I am like broken man, not making any money. And you're, you know, it, it's intimidating because like you're in a country and I'm a proud Dude, and, you know, I'm not going to ask for help. I'm not going to ask for money. I could do this on my own. And the moment I asked for money, 
and help. It's just like, oh, like just the feeling, the other feelings is like I have to make money. So swallow my pride, take the money, obviously, because it's a loan. I got to pay it back. So that next month I had like my first money we were able to do. I was, uh, we did a carabiner order for city sports. Right. And I was able to take 3000 RMB at the time. It's not much money, but that was like the first. And from that point on, I was able to sustain myself. But I mean, it's, it's such a, you know, obviously it's such an impactful moment because I can remember it very vividly today, but that's, that's kind of how I got started, you know, and, then from there, I did uh, multiple projects, and then you kind of just like fake it till you make it. Yeah, and, but at that point, you were kind of you were working on uh, doing this QC that yeah. was just you know salary to get by. Yeah. But at the actual trading side of it, um, you were just trying to cro- grow this business by finding different clients for doing any type of products you could you know anything that people were actually looking for. Yeah. So so at that time in China, I mean. It was kind of the thing is like to get there, go like the Huachan Bay, like do all this stuff, like anything, right? There's so many people on madeinchina.com, Alibaba, that you're just the the ability to find a client should not be difficult, right? I mean, we were doing oil paintings. So people would send in like their photograph of their family, and we'd have to go find a artist in Da Fanzhong that would have to paint that. Yeah. And you'd give that to them. I mean, like the stupidest stuff, right? And you'd make like maybe 20 bucks off it. That's it. So like, oh yeah, you could really scale that up big time, you know, and like USB orders. I mean, we were doing some crazy stuff. And at that time, basically, you know, the idea is to do anything, right? Because you're so desperate. You, it doesn't matter what it is. And you're, and your concept of time is so weird because all you care about is that that dollar bill. You're not understanding that, like, because I'm so young and dumb. Like, you're not understanding, like, all that time I could have been maybe working towards a bigger project or something more valuable. Like, I, I just made 20 bucks. It could have cost me, like, five hours. I was making, you know, $4 an hour or something. Some stupid, yeah. you know, that you don't understand. You don't get that, like, your time, the time and value of things, right? So we're doing that. I mean, I was doing. You're also just looking for a win. Yeah. At the same time, like yeah, that sense like, of like, okay, I got something. Yeah, I, I, want. I got it. I made I, it. And baby. you also get the experience along the way that at that point, like the 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 dollar value isn't you know the the main motive motivator either. Yeah, I mean, at, at that point, right? Because you know, as much as I harped on that story about my mom, it also like it, it put a position in like I think maybe within me is like dude, I don't have someone I can get money from. I don't have help. So, and that's, you know, probably oversimplifying it. Cause I mean, obviously you meet people along the way and you could ask for help and I'm sure they'd help you out. Right. I'm just maybe internalizing it in the sense that like I have to make it. So that drives you to the sense that like, you'll do anything. It doesn't matter. Like there's nothing beneath me at that point. I don't care. I'll do a, I make 20 bucks doing oil painting there. 20 bucks. Perfect. It's 20 more dollars. I did, you know, I had today. So, and then, you know, as you progress, right, as you become more sophisticated, more mature and understand business, you you start to understand it and get the sense of like what is actually going on and, and how to make money and, and what 
is an opportunity, what's not an opportunity. I, I mean, you were there. Like, how many times did somebody say, this project's going to make you millions of dollars? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, you're going to be a millionaire. Just do this. Sell this. Fine. Make this for me. Find this factory, you yeah. know? And so from there, I was, you know, able to, to build a company. What was that turning point where kind of everything started to click and, you know, the small business started to turn into a team and an office and grow from there? So at the time, I had a business partner, Edith, amazing woman. Can't believe she stuck with me as long as she did. Um, we were out of her apartment working. It was the two of us. And then we hired two people out of their apartment. And then eventually we got a, we were working with city sports a lot. I mean, we did the race bags for the Boston Marathon, right? I mean, there's so many crazy projects that like, I can't believe I had my hands involved in. So we did the race bags for the Boston Marathon. That put some good coin in our pocket. And then I, mean, I can't, I can't remember the exact project or the exact amount of money, but then we were able we were self-sustained that we could have salary, had two employees. And then at that point we're like, you know what, let's, let's make this a little bit more professional. So then we got an office. Right. And then from there, you know, I got a, a lucky break. I was, I was home in Buffalo, New York. It's USA, not Canada for our sure. listeners out there. Um, that's, I was at the right place at the right time that my, <laughs> so buddy in Buffalo back in the day, I used to work at Darien Lake doing concerts in the summer. I was in the box office, right? Just a knucklehead doing will call. This is like six flags. No. Yeah. Six flags. Darien Lake, yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Right. So I was uh, doing that and uh, <laughs> shows you how dumb it was. They didn't trust me on the, on the, uh, computer system to do like to do ticket sales so all i was allowed to do was look for names and give out tickets that's it (laughs) (laughs) you're not that smart enough you can handle a computer buddy (laughs) they might have the same opinion today no No, you're not we all know that's (laughs) not true so that um so stupid experience my buddy is like hey my girlfriend's uncle is there and can you get him some tickets so I know on how the will call works at box office. I find some like front row tickets, backstage passes. I don't even remember the concert, but needless to say, he's working at a OEM manufacturing teller devices and then get him tickets. So now we fast forward to present day. He's, he was doing something with generators or something. He's and my buddy's like, well, why don't you talk to Marty? He's in China right now. Cause they were getting their generators from, they're doing like container full generators. And he was a sales guy and he goes, well, what are you doing out there? I'm, you know, sourcing, doing this and that. And I'm actually in Buffalo right now. He's like, well, that's funny. Cause they're actually, we're actually in China right now. We had just went through like the better business bureau or something or the chamber of commerce. That's what they did. Yeah. They went through the chamber of commerce, found some factories in China and they were literally about to get on an international trip and go out there. Right. So I go in there. I am, 26 years old at the time. These guys, I mean, have been doing this business. It's OEM parts. And they've been doing this business for 50 years. And some of these people are older than my father. And they just have like 30 years experience. I am 26 years old. 
I have what they did is they printed out all the pages of my web, my uh, website. They printed it out and they asked like a hundred questions. I answered every single one of them. And the, the, basically the only difference I saw is they knew nothing about China at the time. So, and just me being there, I knew 10 times more just because theirs was zero. Right. Yeah. So they're like, okay, well, can you at least go with us? Cause we've got these factories set up. Can you go with us to see these factories? So it's like, yeah, sure. It's fine. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. You know, my shirt and tie and I'll look professional. Never done it before. Never done the business trip. Never booked a hotel. Never in terms of, you know, business trying to figure out how it works or international flights for a client. So figure it on the fly. Um, I set everything up for them. Cars, you know, planes, trains, automobiles. Because some of these factories, like you, there's no airport. You got to go in and get a train or have a driver pick you up. So we're going to like four different cities. So we go to four different cities. And the thing at the time was that the U.S., I don't, don't want to speak for the entire U.S., but at least within manufacturing, right, there's a very, it's very standardized. Like this is the procedure we do. This is how we do it. And they assume that everyone does it the same way, right? Like if we give you a PO, you're supposed to do a sample. Right, you do a test run, you do first article inspection, second article inspection, in process inspection, you know, final inspection. So they've given all these guys POs. They're thinking they're going in to see like first article inspections, right? They think they're gonna see a part, right? What they're doing, their product. Not a single one of them of the factories had anything done, right? Nothing, right? Because the the US, or I don't say the US, but the, the client at the time, that purchase order was a contract, right? China, it's, it's a piece of paper. It's nothing, right? Every Nothing starts until you get that 30% deposit. Yeah. I have no relationship with you. I don't know who you are. You know, I'm not doing, I'm not moving a finger until I get that deposit. So basically the purchasing manager at the time is like, well, I think we need to work with you. Goes back to the States, gets his, gets chewed out by the vice president. And that's when I got my first kind of big, big client project. But even that, like I was a rookie and trying to structure the deal with them. Like I was like, well, you know, if I save you X amount of dollars, I want to, I want to cut of that. Right. I was thinking no. that, which they were okay with. Right. They were like, well, if you save us X amount of dollars, that's great. But it wasn't, it was very short term thinking. Right. And I didn't understand cash flow, Right. So, Eventually, it's like, this This is working. Like, I get a little chunk of money, but then I got to manage it, and da-da-da. So why don't I set up a retainer, right? Why don't you guys just, I'll be your agent in China. You pay me monthly, and that kind of funded my staff, that funded the office. And then I was able to, you know, to kind of grow from there. Once, once I had that, I was able to kind of then understand, A, I have a base. So I don't have to, like, constantly take every little thing and, and hustle in the sense that like every project's worth it. I was able to kind of, okay, determine that, well, that may not be worth my time, right? That may not be something I'm going to be good at. So I don't really need to work on it. I'll find something that kind of suits what I'm doing. So, because at the time, like, you're like, like, well, I work in China, I could do everything, mm. right? Which is a blessing, but then you're not a professional in anything either. You're not like 
sophisticated. You don't know the the jargon. You don't know like the technical terms. You don't understand how things work, right? Like, yeah, USB. Okay, well, how do you make a USB? Yeah, you go to Watch on Bay, you get the end product. Here you go. But how does yeah. that work? How do I, you know? So, and then I be, uh, I became, for lack of like more sophisticated, more uh, mature in the sense of how to operate a company, how to to do everything, right? Because I mean, as you know, like small business owners, like you got to do everything. You're like managing, you know, at that time, because we were on Gmail and all the, the firewall was ridiculous, trying to get a uh, proxy and trying to get around the firewall to use yeah, Gmail. You need a VPN. It's a nightmare, and, dude. A VPN. I mean, even, oh, it gosh. still doesn't even work, like Facebook no. and all that, that no. stuff. I mean, yeah, when I was there, I think I got there 2010 Okay. 2010, 2011, I think. Yeah, it was the same problem. But that was kind of like when I got there, it was like that transition to the new president, Xi Jinping. Or yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was at that point when I got there. Um, at this point, as you're kind of transitioning out of like, let's call it not so much, I guess, trinkets for, for a better term in terms yeah. of like carabine, uh, carabiners, carabinas, yeah, whatever. Just call them the mousetraps. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting into like USBs. Did you start to become specialized in something? And how did that actually come together? Like in terms of like, what were you more heavily focused on as you started per to grow that trading business in China? So, I mean, we, we kind of focused on metal parts and we were doing, so OEM metal parts. So it's basically a big machine cuts a bunch of metal up and makes a specific part, Right. For, you know, CNC lathe. And so what happens is, is that a client will have a certain product, right? For this particular client, it was a bridge damper, a huge bridge. So a big shock absorber. You know, they go in bridges and buildings. They go in earthquake areas. So and this we were, is government contract? Well, that, so that was my client. My client did, they did government, they did military. But I mean, they, they're a lot of uh, industrial, like so they would, be building for a apartment building or complex. I mean, they had stuff. I mean, they were big time. I was like, I was in Bill Gates's not his house, but that that Ping On building that he bought a place specifically to kind of get favor with the the Chinese government in uh, Beijing. Right, I was Ping there. Ping On, but that's a, a bank. Is yeah. It? yeah, insurance. Yeah. Yeah, they had uh, they had they're building a building right next to the the bird's nest, right in Beijing. Yeah. In Beijing, yeah, for the opening series, opening ceremony, and I was in there, and it was just like crazy, like how you kind of get like I can't believe I do. I'm like I'm supposed to be a high school history teacher, and I'm underneath a bridge, one of the largest bridges, you know, in Shanghai, just looking at bridge parts, you know, yeah. like like I know what the heck I'm doing. Like you're talking, you're asking me for advice. You guys are really in good hands. Yeah. How, how did you wing yourself <laughs> yeah. through those, those conversations where they can get more technical, especially like your operation. I'm assuming you're not, you're not, you don't I'm have not a, the engineer. I'm you, not don't, engineer. you don't, you're not an engineer. Yeah. You probably don't have engineers, but you need to have those yeah. conversations. Were you doing a little bit of research to understand it better? Were you talking to the factory or were you just winging it? So, you know, to, to be, cause I was, I'm a, so I'm from Buffalo, right? And my big client was from Buffalo at the time, right? And it kind of have this blue collar mentality, you know, if you're honest with me, dude, I'll 
I'll help you out. So, you know, their, their team, uh, their technical guys are in Chuck was the guy's name, the uh, head of QC at the time. You know, I mean, he helped me out. Like he would just like explain to me like, okay, this is how you do the material test. And this is what we need. This is what we're looking for. Right. This is the hardness this is our range. Right. He actually like, I mean, I'm looking at these mechanical drawings, these prints. I, I don't know what it is. No idea. Like, I mean, I see there's a shape yeah, <laughs> and I see it, but like he would, I mean, he may not even realize how helpful he was and how appreciative I was at the time, but like, he would like, explain to me the scale, like, this is what you're looking at and this is what we're trying to measure. And this is how you would measure. This is the tool you would use like an IPD gauge or, you know, internal threads, like, and he would literally just explain that with me. And I mean, he was, he was like for SGS, I think he actually went in and helped his company get certified. So like SGS for ISO, I'm sorry, not SGS, ISO, right? ISO certification. They have people come into your factory and, you know, do you do X, Y, Z? Yeah. Right. So he'd come in and he would like tell you, you know, basically this is what I need, you know, for your company, right? I need this material cert, that. So we would have, he would tell me, and I would basically translate this in Chinese. And I mean, through that process, like I learned like, well, this is, this is how it works, right? It's the same, you know, I, we're going to six, seven factories, the same questions, every single factory. Well, what is that like the, the biggest barrier or obstacle you face dealing with the Chinese, especially, uh, I mean, are you dealing with like, uh, massive factories in Chinese that already have that experience building similar parts? Are you pretty much like working as like a joint design and manufacturing partnership with them? No. So like you're like, you're walking in and I mean, the Chinese have like their whole, their whole wine and dine. Right. So like, I mean, we would show up and you know, we're like blue collar kind of maybe jeans and a button down shirt. They come in shirt and tie. They're looking all nice. I mean, you're, you're driving around in a Mercedes like that. Their whole concept of like whining and dining is like, I mean, we go to these five-star restaurants, these huge buffets of food and, you know, and, and then obviously you get to that KTV world, you know, that, that typical, um, you know, trying to build the relationship, go out drinking. And I mean, I'm kind of, I was kind of a rookie at that. Right, like my first, my first business trip, we go, we do that wine dine, and they're like gombaying, gombaying, right? And I'm, I'm getting loaded, like loaded, like where I am not able to walk. I think one of my clients like took, took a humdinger, right, like off one of the stages or something, dude. It was like, oh my god, it was so bad. The next morning, I woke up. I was fully clothed, had not changed. My hotel door is wide open, wide open. And my phone is ringing. Like you got to come down for a meeting for breakfast now. And it's the factory calling. And I'm like, all right, let's get this. You know, you kind of just suck it up, get down there. So, but, but to answer your question, some of these factories were very small. Mm. So we were coming in and, but the funny thing is like some of these factories, like you look at these factories and they're like in these 
just these like makeshift sh- shacks almost. I mean, like the roofing is like that plastic fiberglass, yeah, that green plastic fiberglass. So, and these machines that it takes, like they cost hundreds of thousands of dollars that are making these parts, right? So you have this, you know, hundred thousand dollar machine in this like ten thousand dollar factory, right? I mean, this, their equipment that they've invested in, and they get like a lot of secondhand from Germany. There'd be a huge secondhand market. I mean, today is night. It's yeah. night and day, dude. That from what I saw starting off to today, like, I mean, it's, they've totally doubled down. Are those factories, are they, when they're doing that whining and dining experience, is it more or less like, maybe they aren't the best factory and that's kind of their way of saying, Hey, you know, let's become family. Cause we might not be the best at what we do. I, or, or what is the, what is the game behind that? Like, why are they always trying to I, get you absolutely blackout drunk the first t- couple times you meet, meet up with them? I think it has a lot to do with their, their culture. Cause I don't think it's exclusive Chinese, right? I mean, it's Korean, yeah, Japan, you know, I think it's, it's a, more of a male dominated culture. I mean, to be honest, like all, all my clients were all men. They're all men. We're going out drinking, having a good time, having fun. Right. And I think, and see, and that's probably just my lack of experience with, you know, corporate America in the sense that like, I know that happens in corporate America, you know, these, these huge shows that I went to E3 or the, you know, the sports um, retail for sporting goods and stuff. I mean, they're, they're all going to strip clubs. They're yeah. all doing that. And that's kind of the same thing. It's just a different flavor, right? Well, the Chinese, like even when I've been there, I find they go to the next level quickly. There's no, there's no like casual drinking beers, even from the get-go. It's immediately gambe, gambe, the, the head honcho, or whoever the boss is of the Chinese factory will go yeah. around and take a, a sh- always like a shot of beer yeah. with everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, no, you're right. And, you're totally and, right. And, yeah. you, and you'd have to keep up with them. And, and usually the ones there'd be maybe one assistant that's already like at a business meeting that's puking on the floor and can't even make it to the bathroom. Oh uh, yeah. That's uh that's Sounds pretty spot on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably a few nights I could uh, say that's exactly what happened. I mean, I, so to answer, like why they do that, I would assume that, I mean, I don't think, to be honest, I don't, I know they don't do it just with like foreign clients. They right. do it with themselves too. They, it's not like they're just doing it to kind of impress us. I think part of it is just to be the top dog. Like I'm the boss. I'm not drinking. They're yeah. trying to out, out yeah. drink you as well. I remember yeah. I had one, uh, I was with one of the, one of the bosses in China and they, they're taking shots of like Hennessy. Yeah. They don't sip it. And what the, but as Canadian, like Canadians, no, I'm joking. (laughs) uh, I mean, we're used to drinking whiskey or, you know, dark liquors and that. So, I mean, you kind of grow up like that when you're a kid. Um, So they try to, you know, drink you under the table, but it doesn't work. They're the ones puking passed out. It's because you're Canadian. Yeah. And you're like, all right, (laughs) have another one. And you you don't realize that they're actually trying to like have that moment with you. Like who's going to collapse first. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, I'm yeah, you're fucked up. Yeah. But like, Oh yeah, you're not there. I'm like, so you, we getting another bottle or yeah. what's going so what are we on doing here? here? Doubling down. <laughs> and and, like, and then they're got. like passed out puking in the bathroom. Yeah. Like, All right. Um, for anyone like 
what what would you do differently if you're first kind of coming to China to get involved in trading and and I think the way to, that people can understand that when we you say the word trading it's not like stock trading in that sense it's more like you are uh, a middleman essentially yeah. or um uh, sourcing is another way to yeah. put it yeah, that's and exactly and it people is. can understand that what that involves it would be essentially like a client will come to you and they're already buying I don't know let's call it this mallet this is uh this is actually from tanzania so it's not the best example so yeah good job let's take yeah that's the worst example <laughs> let's take this coffee cup so they'll come to you and say like yeah i get this coffee mug and it costs me currently i don't know landed three dollars i want to pay can you land this for two dollars and yeah. that and then they keep 50 cents and you keep 50 cents something like whatever but that type of sourcing people need to understand you're not just finding the product you're um, you're finding the right factories, the right relationships. What is the M what is the MLQ for them? Yeah. Also, who's going to be doing the quality control? How do you handle the payment terms? Getting it in, getting it out, and then also the project management logistics and going through the whole customs and putting it onto the table of your client. So a lot of new people coming to this world trying to just simply find a product in China and drop it on the doorstep of Walmart. It's not simply just finding a product and dropping it on the step. There's all there's all these other avenues that you have to to go through. Um, if you were to start all over again, and, and the focus was this type of sourcing and, and trading, and just getting your feet wet, and I want to find products in China. I want to find you know maybe a major retailer in that sense. Like, what steps would you would have done differently, or or what what would you do first, or could you walk maybe anyone that's listening to that? um the best best practices so to answer your question nicely if i from what i know now would i do it again no there's no way it's just it's so there's the reason i was able to do what i did at the time was because i was so dumb so naive i didn't know what i didn't know Right. So in the sense is like, like everything in life, right? It's a journey, right? So all those mistakes is actually what I learned more from than my successes, right? Like, dude, what am I doing? Spending 10 hours working on a painting. Like I ended up doing a project for this crazy, stupid screw for, uh, it's actually used for UNICEF and CIA, right? They have these cases that they have and there's an inflatable satellite with them. So it's like this briefcase, boom, pops up. You could take it anywhere, right? I ended up doing a screw for them and learned a lot about ITAR and all this stuff, right? So my meaning is, is I had so many mistakes that I could actually sniff out. I understood, okay, well, that's a good project. Like, I know my margin is going to be huge, so in that sense of like all those mistakes I had brought me to where I am today, like I can't recreate that, right? And, and if I were to give someone advice, hey, to do it, I mean, like the whole game's changed. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, like you can't go back Well, in it's there. much more competitive than it was when oh, you got started. Even, like yeah. it's too, it's too diluted. Day. Yeah. I mean, there were, the opportunity was there. I'm useless. So, I mean, most, like I think a lot of people today, like – you're talking about getting on Amazon, like 
if you take people from back home and they, again, they work a teaching job, but they're looking to get out of that. Amazon's a good side hustle because you can find the product in China. You can bring it over here. But most of those people, they wouldn't even know step one. Um, True. You're right. They wouldn't even, okay, I guess I got to contact Alibaba. Yeah. Okay, who's Alibaba? Who's Alibaba? <laughs> uh, okay, how do I find the product? Okay, now I found the factory. Yeah. Okay, now do I call a team in China to do a factory yeah. audit? Yeah. Oh, that one failed. Got to find another one. Yeah. Okay, this one passed. What are their payment terms? What's the? There's yeah. so like every. I, I'm going. That's that's the cliff notes. I know, but you. I mean, you're like just think about. You're. You know all that, right? Yeah. We, like, how do we unlearn that? How do like I'm almost struggling to. To, to put myself back in my shoes is like, I didn't know like what a payment term was. I didn't know what inspection was. What am I looking for? But I mean that, that learning experience, like I was explaining, like um, if I'm doing trading on crypto or Forex, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a, a skill set I have now to do technical analysis, to read a chart. Yeah. That skill set can always make me money for the rest of my life. That skill set of what you learn in China yeah. of the whole, you know, uh, all aspects of business yeah. that you can now and plus working in China, like in, it could be 20 years from now, you could be retired. Some guy that you're, you know, you're retired with, you're fucking, you're having a cigar and whiskey and he's yeah. like, Hey, by the way, I, I got this product. We can do like a hundred thousand pieces. Could you get that for me? For you to hop back on that bike yeah, would right. take seconds. True. And, and I, fair enough. Yeah. You're right. In the sense that like once you, I mean, you're right. You become a professional and you're, craft well, so don't go that far well <laughs> rumor has it rumor people has have it. told me I'm a bit of an expert <laughs> yeah. kind of know what i'm talking yeah. about no but it's but you're right in the sense that like well h- how about this I'll, I'll change it in the sense of like i could take that skill set and now i'm working in india right so i can transition that and, and it's funny because um, I could see the difference between China and India in the sense of manufacturing very quickly because what I was taught by other people working in China and the factories, right? The factories taught me stuff too. It's not, it wasn't just like my clients teaching yeah, me. I learned a lot. Way, yeah. yeah. I learned a lot from them as well that now I'm actually teaching the factory in India. Like, well, this is how you do it. I mean, this is standard and, and it's funny, too, is because I even will, will trip up on myself as, like, why are you asking that question? I mean, that's this isn't, like, a thing. Like, no. The, the, you pay the bank fee. I don't pay the bank fee. That's yeah. how it is. Like, why didn't that $13,000 you wired me, why isn't it exactly 13000 Because that's your bank. You pay the bank fee. You know, and they get all hung up about that stuff. Yeah. You know, and, it, and it's funny is, like, what you take – is now standard operating procedure is technically not a standard operating procedure for somebody else in another country. So there's, there's that Avenue that I'm transitioning over to another country and learning. Okay. Well, that's maybe that's not how it works here. So what are are these major differences you've seen uh, in manufacturing between China and India? Well, China's definitely, I mean, so like how I was first describing some of the factories that I was in, And then if you fast forward later on, like I was in like one of the largest cardboard factories in Asia, right? 
in Hainan, right? It was in, enormous. Like I can't even tell you how many square miles or kilometers. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't put that together. Yeah. yeah, how many square kilometers this factory was? It was huge. They had buses to get from one parts of the other, right? And it was, I mean, so toxic. They had like ass in the air, but that's a different segue. But that is where they're at today. Like China's India's not there yet. India's not even close. Yeah. Not even close. Like they're they're probably back. And I'm sure you can just Google this. I mean, I'm not it's not like I'm telling people something new. I mean, they're probably about 15, 20 years behind. I mean, hopefully they could, you know, shorten that gap up. I think they are working. Do you feel that, that they that do you feel that they are like China was when you first came to China, or are they even further behind that? I think I think that's a pretty fair comparison, probably maybe a little bit further behind, you know. But I think that they're, I mean, China's economic model is being studied and copied throughout, you know. And you see, obviously, there's the different governments per se between. China and India, but you could still take that model and implement it. Now it won't be perfect because you're dealing with other variables that China didn't have to deal with. But you know, I think India's. I mean, I was they were talking about like, hey, this is going to be an economic zone specifically for metal stamping, and you know, we're going to get a tax break on power. They're going to allow us to get some water you know, for some of our processes. So they're, they're getting there, you know, they're understanding it, you know, they're paving roads to factories and, and trying to probably shorten the time to get to port, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're developing. Yeah. I mean, they're, developing, they're, they're getting their stuff together. Are, and it's are, not, are most of the factories, are they coastal? Like at a, like for, I'm assuming there's a port at a Mumbai, there's ports yeah. out of Bangalore. I mean, are, are these factories, are they more inland? Are they more difficult to get to than those factories in China? Yeah, they're more difficult to get to uh, because I- India was never set up for export. India was set up for internal, for domestic. Everything was related towards domestic, right? Now, that is something, right? Like, there's enough. I could sell enough hoses in India. Why do I need to sell them overseas? Uh, there's enough, you know, this. I don't need to go overseas, but I think you have a, I'm making massive generalizations here. I think you have a, a different set of the population now, right? They've been overseas. I mean, India, I mean, obviously everyone, India is it, 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 right? I mean, nobody thinks of India's manufacturing. No, you always think software. Yeah. Software, software, call centers. Yeah. But I think that game is changing. And I think, that, you know, with the tariffs that they've they've put the this idea of China being the factory of the world on its head. Meaning the tariffs that you get hit with at the US US customs that kind of Trump brought into play, those tariffs on China are pushing people to go to other countries to get the product cheaper. I think that opened the conversation with in companies that maybe this is not the end all be all. I think that they looked at their manufacturing 
and they just, I think they woke up one day and was like, geez, we have a lot of manufacturing in China. We are dependent on China. If China says, you know what? I don't want you to export or I don't want you to do this. Like there's, I mean, China's a very powerful country. China is extremely sophisticated. They have a plan. They implement the plan. They execute the plan. Like they know what they're doing. I'm not making a judgment whether it's bad or good or anything. Oh, I mean, I, this is like we said before, we love China. <laughs> YouTube, just in case we ever go back. Jungle Ajayo. Yeah, well, she won Jungle. Yeah, but I, I get that because the U.S. can be coming to China and saying, wait a minute, all our eggs are in one basket. Now, we're starting to see things like textiles have been moving out of, uh, out of China and moving to Bangla uh, Bangladesh and Indonesia. But in general, like... Um, uh, especially like electronics, that type of where the supply chain needs to be much larger. That's kind of always going to be situated in China. But for these simpler products that are not as complex, like textile yeah. or some of the new products that you're working with, it doesn't necessarily need to stay in China. And by the U.S., you know, um, pushing these these tariffs, it allows um, you know it to to move to other countries and yeah. and and and, and exactly. be able to you know have that that price be more competitive as yeah. well. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily just um, dumb, dumb, simple products. I think also there's there's been a a certain echelons of people that are saying, you know what, well, maybe we should not have all our ICs built here, right? And they're, they're taking it and... China brilliantly. I mean, they just took industries, rare earth metals, steel. I mean, they just and they just basically monopolized them and, and took control of them. And I mean, they at the end of the day, like I don't find it anything right or wrong. I mean, if so, basically, if you have the power to do something, are you not going to do it? Like they, like hey, we're going to work, we're going to get this country. I mean, they moved so many millions of people out of poverty. Mm. You know, like. If you take this, like, Ray Ray, right? Like, if like what she went through, her transition between this is her child, his wife, or anyone listening, yeah, <laughs> because they'll be confused. You don't the fuck is you don't know Ray that. Ray? Yeah, yeah, dude, everybody knows that. Yeah. She's pretty popular. Yeah, we'll get her. I'd rather have her on the podcast, but we'll, we'll deal. We'll work well, with you. Yeah, I thank you, <laughs> thank you. Well, you gotta go through me to get to her. <laughs> that was the whole point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so you're, you're uh, explain that she had to go. So, like, I think some people don't necessarily uh, appreciate, like, the, the, the vast poverty that she grew up in versus what I grew up in, right? We're both the same age, and that, like, her life to where she is today to pair, compared to where I am today are about the same, right? But when she grew up... I mean, it's totally different, right? I mean, I love you, honey. Um, <laughs> no, don't worry. She'll see this clip. <laughs> yeah. I'll send it to her exactly <laughs> at this point. Like, I mean, she didn't, like, shower every week. You know, they, they wouldn't wash clothes for a month. They'd wear the same things. You know, they'd, they'd be rationed, like, you know, like milk. You know, there'd be a milkman. You get two bottles a week. That's all you get. You know, the iron rice bowl. So when you look at, so, like, her father was, like, the first one to have a TV in the in the in the town. Which we'll province? Oh, this is in Qinghai. So this is way out west. Yeah, yeah. Near Tibet, near 
Lhasa. So there's no industry there. out there anyways, or not much. Well, fun fact, that's where they uh, made and developed the nuclear bomb. Huh? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Little fun fact, right. just so you know. Oh. So if my kids are running around with a couple yeah. of hands, yeah, yeah. <laughs> more than two. Yeah, it makes sense now. Yeah. So, so what? So she she grew up from like that, right? The first TV, the first car, the the first this, like her, you know, like lipstick, high heels, right? Like the first, right? Like I can't say that my father wasn't the first to have a first TV or the first car. My grandfather wasn't the first. Yeah. You know in town to have a TV in a car, you know what I'm saying? Like t- to go back in the U S and you know, U S is 51st state Canada to go back oh. and to use and find like people or your family yep. members that, or, or somebody that to say that, I mean, it has to be so far, right? This is Ray Ray's grand father, you know, like that's crazy to think about. Right. And then, and you know, China today, I mean, it's like, it's so technologically advanced, you know, like it's crazy how they have yeah. everything, how they're all extremely, you know, everything's done online. Everything's yeah. Instant. The past third, especially since like the eighties, even places yeah. like, uh, I mean, you can look back at pictures of Shenzhen in the eighties. It's a fishing village. Yeah, and now village. look at it. It's like, and, and that, that was, that's the interesting part when you're living in China. Like when I first moved there in 2011, like they were literally building cities within the city. Yeah. And you, you, when I was there, it's like, they would throw up like, I don't know, 10 skyscrapers in like a year and a half. Yeah. No problem. Like there'd be new Metro stations done, new yeah. train lines done a year. No problem to do that back home could take 10 years oh look at the big dig in boston i mean look at like stupid little things we take forever to do and it costs so much money but i mean at the end of the day like so if you remove some of the politics like china being where it is today and and the massive amount of wealth that it's generated and removing and taking all those people out of poverty is, is a good thing for the world. It's a good thing for people. I mean, at, on a humanitarian basis, like that is amazing. I mean, like they, if you, if you understand their, if you know their history, I mean, they had, you know, they were trying to urbanize the entire yeah, population yeah. essentially, but millions of people died from starvation and everything. And, and, and to do it so quickly is like the world has never ever seen anything like it. But they're still, they're still doing it. Like I'm, I'm still curious what will happen with those ghost towns if they'll just completely be demolished. Or yeah, but I mean that's like, like a headline, you know? Like yeah, I mean, yeah. that's not China. Like that's not. But it's 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 interesting to watch how it's all come together and and like these like I I worked with the older Chinese guys that like their childhood childhood was literally growing up in a mud hut, a mud hut, and they would tell you that they're like yeah like we we lived. It, Wherever you were in Shenzhen, it'd be like, yeah, we live, you know, east 12 hours in a car. And once you get out there, it's like you're coming, you're coming from a mountain. You'd always have the joke, like, you know, at the factory, like, what mountain did this guy slide down? <laughs> but, I mean, even they would have that internal joke yeah. because, I mean, that's what China was. Like, you would, you would get in a taxi in Shenzhen and, like, if you don't speak enough Chinese to give your taxi driver directions, you won't get there. One, Google Maps isn't going to work because it's blocked. And two, there's a really good chance that guy just got there that day. 
Yeah. So he doesn't even know the roads. So you need to, there was that aspect of result as well that was quite difficult living there. Do you ever look at your friends I find back home and I find China just, it made you like a bit more rough around the edges where you just, you kind of just don't put up with shit or, or, <laughs> but also in the sense that like, things were they're not that easy in china and you, you always find the way it's just never a straight arrow and then when you move to countries to the, like especially back to the u.s but for me to thailand it's like there's nothing that they could do wrong here that i'd be like that i haven't already seen like uh for example you go to dinner let's say in thailand and, and a meal's wrong yeah well in china like you might not even get your meal yeah. So like, oh, I, I got it. Great. Is it the wrong one? Yeah. Am I going to eat it? Sure. And the last, yeah. can I take it away? I'm like, well, I asked for a lap guy and you gave me Pad Thai, but you know what? I like both. So I'm, I'm good. But then you'll watch these green people that first moved to Asia and like they demand that same like lifestyle and a service as they got from back home. And sometimes I look at these people and just roll my eye. Like yeah. you have no idea. Like you think it's hard here? Go, yeah. please go live in China for one year yeah. and you'll be screaming <laughs> to come back here. Yeah. Well, I think, that like once you get that temperament, right? Like, I mean, well, like I did, I should be in Buffalo, New York, playing hockey, you know, rooting for the the Bills and the Sabers, okay. which are phenomenal teams, by the way. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to call it here first: Buffalo Bills Super Bowl. So, which century? <laughs> <laughs> so that, like, you, you know, it takes. I mean, maybe not a certain people. Maybe it's by dumb luck. And, and not necessarily all of us that have gone overseas. I mean, there's some people that are still assholes that have been here for a but, while. But you see how many don't make it. Yeah. But, like, I think you lose that edge. You lose, like, that, that like, 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 okay, like, there's bigger problems in life than you messed up my order for food. You I know? think we talked about this a long time ago. Do you, did you do you ever notice that like the one thing I try to stay true to is not to lose your manners? Oh yeah, and and, and it's nothing against China. I think it's just the culture, right? I mean, oh, you yes. could be eating. I've been eating outside the Seven Eleven, and a Chinese guy will come literally up to you, look you up and down, eat an orange, and spit orange seeds on the ground in front of you. Oh yeah, and he's not being rude. It's just that that's the culture. But I mean, I don't want to turn into that guy. I mean, I know I am a bit. But <laughs> I could tell you a few stories. <laughs> well, easy. Don't worry. I got Hans here that can yeah. cut out anything. Cut out this. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Hans, how much? How much would it take? You give me a number. Give me a number. Preferably in bot. <laughs> but so, uh, good story. So I'm, we're driving um, uh, with my wife up in these pristine mountains in Qinghai, way out west. Beautiful, right? foothills of tibet and uh the himalayan mountains and we're driving <laughs> my father-in-law just takes his plastic bag it was we're walking by just throws it on the ground throws a bunch of trash on the ground i'm like really dude like in, I, the, in, in the cleanest yeah yeah oh it's it it beautiful like we're talking about like picture perfect i go and clean it up and we're like with a big group of people i was trying not to make a big deal out of it because i mean I am a little bit of an asshole, but I was just trying to, you know, save face for yeah, him. Yeah, you don't want him to lose face. Yeah, I don't want him to lose face. But, yeah, dude, I fucking pick it up. His, his, so Riri's mom sees it, makes a big deal out of it, calls him out. It's like, look at the foreigners keeping this place clean. And you're, yeah, so it's, it is, 
in the sense how did he respond to that though oh he was totally embarrassed i totally i totally messed up but he probably did it like uh, like naturally because i'm sure yeah no i don't think it was like malicious no no yeah like like they just weren't brought up that way and like 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 hiking yeah but i've had this conversation with people before you have to also understand we were the same well not me and yeah yeah no you're right we were the same in the the 70s and then you get those um i don't want to say it's propaganda commercials but remember the indian the indian with the tear and stop littering or australians had one marketing campaign called do the right thing and then and then we went through that whole recycling phase when you're you know in elementary school (sighs) but prior to that we were doing like the same thing windows up parents smoking in the car throwing garbage out the window it wasn't that long ago that we were doing that as well oh man do i remember going like the hospitals and doctors are smoking yeah china dude just like ashing right there on the floor it's like i don't worry about something i'll clean that up you're fine hey let me look at that open wound you know it's just like it's so different you know but like you either can get angry and like expect the world to configure around how your model or your template of how the world should be, or you should like, you'd be like, all right, well, I guess they don't do it like that here. You know, I guess it's your temperament. Right. And I think maybe the people that have that type of temperament are able to succeed leaving or have these places. But I mean, so I I know people that are successful. Maybe I'm just full of shit because maybe I've seen people that are just assholes that are still successful that, don't, well, I mean, like, it's a, it's I a, do it this way, and this is how we got to do it. It's every country. It's every country has, you know, their assholes. The Americans a little bit more than the Canadians. But <sighs> at the end of the day, you know, it's just like certain populations are obviously larger than others, like the U.S. to Canada. So if you if 10% of the people in the U.S. are assholes, which is called more 15, and we got 10% in the Canada that are assholes, whatever. So now that's... We got 3 million assholes in Canada, but in the U.S., you got 30 million, which is pretty much the whole population of Canada. So and as you spread out around the world, you're the bigger asshole. Yeah. Is that, wow, that's, that's the math. That's the math. That's the fucking Proved math. It. That's it. That, we're not going to fact check that? No, no? we're not no. fact checking that. <laughs> no. That's it. We might up it to 20, but. Hans, do me a favor. Can you Google that? Is there, is uh, it, you guys have a, Google? That's a fair statement. <laughs> yeah. But I think, and that's why these larger populations, they will get that reputation of you know not being the best people and you'll get that especially in places like phuket they'll say the chinese or the russians but at the end of the day it's just it's only because there's more of them so you're yeah. it's just it's just a, a simple statistic let's say <laughs> don't worry we love the russians we love the chinese it's not yeah. it's not the, the point of that it's just there's more of your example, yeah, you're not going to meet 150 people from botswana here and you know you'll meet one and you're probably going to be it's going to be a simple encounter, but yeah. I'm sure if I met a hundred of them, one of them's going to be a fucking asshole. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Simple math. There you go. Turn that into a real, <laughs> have the whole fucking world hate me. Yeah. <laughs> simple math. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's a fucking asshole. Yeah. Um, so when did you now let, let's jump a little bit ahead. Where, where are we? We're at an hour and 10, 20. We're getting near the end. Um, let's jump a bit ahead until that transition. Cause someone like myself, I left China in 2016. I still work with China, but I'm, I'm in, uh, working from home essentially, um, in Thailand. What was your transition? Why did you leave China? Um, what are you doing now and what's next for you? Basically I've had enough rice. That was it. I met my, what about noodle? No, <laughs> <laughs> I've had as much 
braces I physically could handle. Yeah. Um, so why did I leave China? I grew up, I think, and realized that... Uh, so at this time, I am married with a child. Well, I'm not physically with a child. My wife is with child. And uh, we... I kind of had the idea that I wanted to go back to the uh, the states, uh, Shenzhen. I mean, super expensive. Like it's just like that whole, you know, huge city, raising a kid. You know, in a cramped Co- the cost apartment. of living went like, oh, gosh, and I'll make ridiculous. that quick. But yeah, the cost of living when I got there, two thousand, let's say eleven, whatever. I remember I was paying like nine thousand renminbi for like on the water three bedroom condo, one hundred twenty square meter, and yeah. then. I double checked with the guy the other day. Now they're like, it's three times the price. That's so I'm assuming now by the time you probably left 2018, 17. No, something? so I left probably 2016. I was making that transition. Okay. Out. So same time as me. Yeah. So I had, um, I made the wonderful decision to go back to Buffalo, New York and uh, root for my teams. But, so kind of, I guess, my frame of thought at the time was, A, I had some pretty tragic things happen to me in China that I could have probably left China and bailed out. But I was kind of a t- determined and stubborn in the sense that I I was not going to leave. Like, lack of a better term, China was not going to beat me, right? Like, I was going to be, I'm going to leave. You're not going to tell me when to leave, right? So I had... We'll do a short story of this bad business deal. I was dealing with the Chinese mafia. They were roughing me out. I had to deal with the police. And, I mean, it was a little scary. Um, but, so I, I did that, and I strategically outmaneuvered them because I'm pretty smart. That's not, that's one of your statistics, I believe. And I, uh. So I got there, got back on the, got my feet back around the company, was doing pretty well, and all right, all right, I'm doing, I'm doing good. That's good. No, I didn't interrupt because that's the that's the intro we'll use, eh, Hans? <laughs> Chinese mafia, perfect. <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks for that. Uh, Appreciate snippet. It. A little tidbit. <laughs> thanks for that snippet there. A little tidbit. Make make our both our lives easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. Continue. <laughs> it's only it's just and, and that that album cover. Where's Andrew? Just. Make that Chinese mafia. That's the thumbnail. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. That's this whole podcast. And we're done. <laughs> that's all we needed. Yeah. So uh, I get back. The company's running well. We're doing good. Um, I mean, a lot of it was a huge ego blow how I transitioned. But now I'm doing well. Um, company's doing well. And all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transition back, right? So I take the bold step of you can go anywhere in the United States. Where do I go? Buffalo, New York. Um, I like to believe I'm a little bit strategic thinker. You know, like I'm familiar with it. I like it. So we go back to Buffalo, New York. I end up staying with my parents for a bit, probably a bit longer than Ray wanted. Actually, you know, that's not true. She actually, it was actually good because like she got to know my parents real well and how amazing the both of them are. And she loves them. Don't worry, they're not watching this. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> um, and that she was able to like keep things simple. Like my dad would help, you know. And at the time, so we had already one child. 
Griffin. He was. But you're coming over to Buffalo. You're still. You're. You're also attempting to run the business now from the U.S. So you're going to be working nights, but yeah. you're, you're keeping that that wheel that 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 wheel spinning. Yeah. So technically, at the time, the company was kind of running of itself. I kind of. I kind of like took a sabbatical. Okay. Like I took a two three year sabbatical. Like I would come in. My brother, if he sees this, is going to murder me. I'd come in for like an hour a week. And just do that. Just that was enough to keep things, you know, bang a keyboard for a little bit. Talk to in, some people in, on in the U.S. or in the office? In the U.S. Yeah, yeah. In the U.S., just checking on the Chinese staff, make sure they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they didn't need me. So I was doing that. Things were running well. And I was trying to, like, okay, so now I'm back in the U.S. Like, who am I? What am I doing? You know, because it's, it's kind of funny, too, because, like, you know, I was in China doing well. I mean, I was... It's a network of people, friends. You're going to some pretty exclusive events. You're going to parties. Like, I'm, you know, drinking a scotch, smoking a cigar on the 90th floor of some exclusive cigar bar, you know, whiskey bar. You know, like, you're in this huge city, and this is where you grew up. You have a bunch of connections. You're Bobby Big Wheel, for lack of a better term. And then you come back to Buffalo, New York, and you are nobody. Like, nobody, I don't, who the fuck are you? You're the same kid that was playing hockey and, you know, like, you have, so you have, like, a little bit of an identity crisis in the sense of, like, well, I was a big deal. I'm a big deal. Like, you don't, res- like, you don't respect me, you know? Knocks like, you down to size quick. Oh, totally, dude. You go fucking shut down. Yeah, zero to hero, to yeah. or hero to zero. Yeah, yeah. So it was... So trying to, to, you know, get my head around, like, what's happening. and Obviously, like, what you value of life. Like, okay, well, what is – I mean, I don't go too philosophical here. Um, like, so who am I and, and what is my purpose? What's my mean? Like, what am I going to do? How am I going to reinvent myself? So I'm like, I'm Buffalo, dude. I'm just kind of doing a thing. I travel back in China a couple times a year. And then uh, – <laughs> This time we have an apartment. It is, we'll say, late March, right? Late March. It's almost April. I'm in Shenzhen. It's, I mean, it's sunny, beautiful. It's warm. I mean, we're like Miami, Florida weather, right? I get a call from Ray Ray. She's like, we're moving. I'm like, why? She's doing fine. I'm doing great, dude. Everything's great. It is March. And there was so much snow that she got snowed in the apartment. She couldn't get out of the front door and she had to crawl out a window to get out. <laughs> and so you're in China. She's there. I'm in China yeah. living the life, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. staying at five star hotel, living it up. And she, you know, she's like, I can't believe it. It's like four o'clock. I'm picking up Griffin from daycare and it's pitch black i can't see anything you know the roads are icy so i'm like all right yeah let's uh let's let's move let's move out of there right so again i'll give you a short version of this so your short versions are quite long versions (laughs) (laughs) uh what's what's the the shortest version (laughs) What's the time limit on this bad boy? Until <laughs> we've already exceeded it. Is, is this battery? The, no this no one's even listening right now. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's cut out. Dude. They're out. <laughs> they're pulling the shoot. Yeah, no, These two they're, clowns. They're, they're, if anyone listening, it's it might be 
Ray Ray and Marty yeah. <laughs> watching it all. Two, yeah. view, two viewers. <laughs> two viewers. That's it. So you, you're deciding at this point, get the hell out of Buffalo, as most people do. We're, we're, we're f- so at the time, Ray Ray is trying to get her green card. This is under um, Trump, and I don't probably need to go into the political situation, but uh, the view on green cards and immigrants wasn't awesome at the time. She gets denied her green card. We're in an interview. The guy's telling me this is at the the interview for the green card. Oh, you know, no problem. Like, you know, you can get this. So to, to get this exemption for the, the the denial of the visa, he tells me this process. Fill out. I'm like, yeah, okay. If, well, guys, guys shoot me straight. You know, I'm in America. So I fill out this. I'd later find out, like, this exemption is, like, was kind of specifically designed for, like, people in, like, West Africa that have, like, Ebola or are fleeing a war zone or something. So there was zero chance some white guy from Buffalo, New York, that has a job making money is going to get this exemption. There was zero chance. And, of course, we get denied again. And then that kicks her into deportation. So as that happens, I l- she loses her health insurance because of that. We... Hunter, our second child, is due, I think, 11-22 or something, or 11-10, or I don't know. And then the she is supposed to self-deport by November 22nd. So we are in Buffalo, another low point in my life. I I mean, and at this time, like, you, you're dealing with, like, a pregnant wife, who's in a foreign country possibly getting deported possibly getting deported i'm like this is like october like she is ready to pop yeah like it is you know basically how i look now okay oh <laughs> she's like ready to go no don't worry it's the camera it adds that weight oh that's that's yeah, camera weight yeah, yeah. thank god yeah, don't worry about that so so we're doing this i mean i'm like i just like and i'm, I'm actually we're staying at my parents house so I've, i'm like yeah people will do we'll, we get the letter. We're downstairs. I'm like, I'll take care of this. Don't worry about it. I go up in my room and I'm crying. I'm crying in my <laughs> my childhood room that my wife is going to get deported. I, you know, my child's pregnant. How the hell? Or my child's pregnant. My wife's pregnant. How the hell am I going to deal with that? How am I going to pay for this? Yeah. I mean. Because now there's no insurance. There's no insurance. And the U.S. is, uh, it's not cheap. Nope. No. It's not cheap. So somehow I finagle away to get insurance. Uh, so I got New York state health insurance. We get health insurance, took that box. Um, we got a lawyer and we're in the process. I just have to file everything before the 22nd of November to kind of kick the can down the road a little bit. So, um, I'm working that like I am in the hospital. My wife has an emergency pregnancy. I guess she was in birth for like, or labor. <laughs> See, I'm very yeah. clearly I'm Quite not a doctor. Yeah. yeah, not really yeah. a doctor here. Clear. So she's in labor for like 24 hours. She's exhausted. They call the code stat. I didn't know what that was. You know, I didn't watch apparently enough ER. So there was one doctor and two nurses. The the 
doctor calls a code stat, goes to two doctors and about 14 nurses. 14 nurses. Of course, I'm the only dude in the room. And they're like, do you want to, do you want to wait here or do you want to leave? I'm like, I'll go. Rary's like, no, you're not, you're going to stand here. So I'm staying there. They kind of push me aside. A couple of the doctors are screaming at Ray Ray. They're like lifting her legs up. Mm-hmm. Hopefully this isn't too graphic for people, oh. but yeah, lifting her legs up. Uh, the doctor's got to kind of reach in there with this tool. It's actually like a suction cup. Yeah. So they, they, they attach this to the baby's head and they got to pull it out. And, and it was very violent. And the doctor, like, I mean, he's like, dude, I am so, so sorry we're gonna get this checked out but i think i might have broken your child's collarbone i'm like oh great i mean obviously it's very easy to say now but i'm like oh my god i mean i'm pal white yeah yeah, yeah. i'm i'm pal white right now (laughs) yeah so i'm in there and hunter's not breathing Mm. so they so there i am my wife is basically passed out she's exhausted my child comes out possibly with a broken collarbone he is not breathing and they're over there performing, pull them over, emergency CPR, and get them to breathe. I'm like, oh, my God, right? I mean, it's, just, it's so surreal that you're just, like, watching this. And the crazy thing is, is I can't believe how professional these people are. Yeah. I mean, it was like, they're just, like, this is a normal day for them. A normal day. Like, yeah, dude, just don't worry about it, dude. This happens all the time. I'm like, what the, What? How are we, how do we have 7 billion people? My day is not the same. <laughs> yeah. No. So, yeah, I am a loser. I don't do anything that important. No. So, Hunter, they're freaking crazy. They get Hunter back to breathing. Like, you know, we have a little bit of window here. You know, you guys want pictures? I'm like, so my child's alive, possibly with a broken collarbone. Yeah, so we do a few pictures, but we do have to take him now emergency to the NICU. Jeez. Yeah, so I'm sitting there. In in uh, Buffalo, in so Buffalo, best doctors in the world. <laughs> yeah, dude, shout out, shout out <laughs> to baby Buffalo healthcare system. <laughs> um, they uh, so Hunter's in the NICU. I'm sitting here. My lawyer's yelling at me at the phone to get this stuff done. My kids in the NICU. I'm in a waiting room trying to get like all this documentation down. Like I have gone to see a psychiatrist i'm getting like prescription pills for depression and i'm suicidal and everything just to to just to get, get the, the visa no to get the oh to get the, the green visa. card this is yeah. all the case we have to build yeah. like if my wife leaves me i'm gonna commit suicide yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Da, da, da. spoiler alert she does get the green card but yeah. um so well clearly you didn't kill yourself so <laughs> yeah we got that made it <laughs> winning <laughs> Still early. The day's not the the day is young. Well, why don't you take me for another yeah. excursion? Yeah. So we get through all of that, right? We hunters out. We're doing good, and I forgot about that. I forgot to tell you this part that uh, so we're at like uh, there's a, like a postpartum interview, you know, with a doctor you had. They want to just make sure a. The husband's not being the shit out of the wife, clearly. Yeah. Everybody knows. It's definitely Ray was going to kick yeah. my ass. Yeah. Not even <laughs> questioning it. Yeah. Didn't even question it yeah. for a second. So we we go through this. She's like, and we, we I explain the story. She's like, oh, my God, dude, that's that's crazy. How are you guys, how are you guys smiling and having a good time? Like, I can't think of anything else other than, like, 
buying a house that's like more stressful. Oh, and oh, by the way, we just put an offer sight unseen in a house in Pensacola, Florida. And yes. <laughs> you don't know if some hurricane's taking it yeah, down. Yeah, it's even dude, a, yeah. what year those pictures are from. <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, I told you, I got down there and I was looking at the ground. I was like, is there another, is there another room in this house? I thought I saw a picture of another room. They're like, nope. All right, whatever, dude. This, this is what I got, baby. So you made that move down to Pensacola. You're still running the operation in China, and yep. you're getting into, um, uh, well, I'll allow you to plug what you're doing. Yard dog. <laughs> Yard dog. So you're doing mole, mole traps, which has brought you over to uh, India to you know, be able to get, you know, you know, have larger margins. But now it's also exposing you to, uh, you know, another type of business in a completely different country and in a completely yeah. different experience, which led you to Phuket from Mumbai. Yeah. Um, so let's jump into that quick because Marty's short stories <laughs> are longer than the Bible. So <laughs> I'm, I'm just messing with him. No, no, he's not. No, he's not. He's not. I'm going to let you guys know, this is like a tame, nice version of Brendan. <laughs> hey, I tell it like it is. All right. Hey. Yeah. And, and by the way, we're both sober. Yeah. Oh, not after this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I won't be able to be. But um, so then talk, let's, let's, we'll move, transition to that. So you've moved to Pensacola. You're still operating your business in China. And now you're looking to kind of get into a side project um, to expand in which uh, you're selling these mole traps, retail, yeah. uh, Amazon as well. Um, what has that been experience been like? Why did you decide to take that project on as well? Okay, so to, to kind of explain what I do. So basically what I usually do is I take a client's idea and I make a product out of it. So a client will maybe give me a sample or, or a print or a picture or sometimes they even describe it, right? So I'll take that and I'll get a factory to open up a mold or make a sample, make a do a 3D rendering or, you know, do a quick, you know, uh, 3D print sample, right? So in this instance, now I actually own the product, right? So a uh, buddy of mine, Sam, kind of say, hey, got this opportunity. Let's, let's do this mold trap, right? So we, we have this company. Um, we're 50-50 on it, and he's, he does the, you know, he'll get us in the door, you know, with Rural King, Tractor Supply, for all those people that know those. Nobody knows. Very large Home Depot. Oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah. So, and uh, we're in Amazon as well. Uh, we're out of stock, but different story. So, so basically, instead of me making someone else's product, now I make my own, right? So, Soup to Nuts, we, we make it, and we're manufacturing it over in uh, Indy. India, Rhoda, India, and just north. You said you're going north in Mumbai. Yeah, north of Mumbai. Yep. And uh, I mean, it's it's out in the sticks. It's India's vastly different, and India's a lot different, and their business culture, like, culture. You know, like I was talking about, like the drinking and the KTV and, and the women of China. Yeah. So, I currently. When I go to this factory, I stay at a non-alcoholic, yeah, a vegetarian hotel. And I thought, you know, the first time I was there, well, maybe maybe it's, you know, this is a one-off. So I asked it to another hotel. Nope. <laughs> I found the second. 
<laughs> and it's all like that. They're all there. like that. Yeah. Yeah. They're not really doing the whole whining and dining experience. It's nope. still relative. not at all. Yeah. Not. It's totally different. And it, it's good. I Which mean, is I, a, a breath of fresh air because you've done that song and dance. I've done this song and dance. Actually, like, I have a pretty good relationship with the guy who owns the factory. Like, I actually go over to his house. We have dinner. Yeah. They try to give me their spiciest stuff to eat. And they're like, wow, dude. You Americans can eat spicy. And, but it's all vegetarian as well. And this is all vegetarian. Uh, it's, and so I'm assuming it's more Hindu up in that area. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll go with that. Yeah. So now you're, you're, you're working and you're basically taking this concept as a, a mold trap and maybe trying to tweak it here or there and, and make your own product and, and kind of run with that product line through retail as well. Yeah. What, what, hey, don't give me that phone. No, I just like, you made it sound so much better than what it really is. <laughs> like, do I have to pay you? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> dude, dude. You want to clip that? <laughs> yeah. Just put it on like a testimonial. No, on your I website? want that. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, you're going to have to pay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this is a, wait, let's do, well, well, let's run with it. We'll do a couple clips. Then you got them. You got testimonials for the yeah, website. Maybe. Yard, what is it? Yard dog? Doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. Tell me any problem. It is the best <laughs> mole trap on the planet. Yeah. I had this mole. I still can't get rid of it. <laughs> but if you had it, no, it's the best. Um, so you're running at that. Is that kind of a, a, a side project in no, terms so of you're, the, you're looking to sell the brand? Or is it something short-term, long-term? So that basically is the, the project that I'm saying kind of F you to the uh, to working yeah, project. Yeah. That's kind of like the one that's going to – that will put me in a financial position where like, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of done with this international business and, and the separate lifestyle in the sense of that, like, uh, I, yeah, I love to work, but I'm, I'm trying not to be defined by that is who I am. It's work. Like I got two kids now. I have a wife, God bless her heart. She puts up with me. I don't know how, but like, I'm, I'm just kind of done with that part of just like working in this gruel for like, like stressing about money. I mean, I know that's everybody's dream. And I know like that van life stuff and all that. Like everybody like, Oh, her, that bullshit people sell. Like, Oh, if you find a job that you're passionate or you you're not work really day, working, yeah, you don't work a day of your life. Yeah, you do. Dude, you're working. Fuck it. That's such, it's bullshit. Dude. That doesn't exist. No, no. Yeah. No. Like, Oh, go run a ice rink. You know, yeah, or go a surf start shop. a podcast and yeah. <laughs> do it. We're not even getting paid here, yeah. and I'm working. Yeah, way too hard. Yeah, by the yeah. way, by the way, no, we're not taking sponsors. <laughs> That's our rule: no sponsorships. We'll ride this thing into the ground. Well, good thing Yard yeah. Dog's not going to pay you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the whole plan. Yeah. Um, so, so that's what I'm trying to. I'm trying to get into a different phase of my life, where you know, I can do things I like. You know, with the people. I want to do them. With. Are you planning to eventually use that to step aside and kind of be like not even semi-retired to be semi-retired? Like you'll always, I'm assuming, have something to keep you busy on the back end to you know yeah, cha like, challenge yourself. Yeah, it's not like I'm gonna like go like start golfing all of a sudden. No, clearly, we've seen that. <laughs> Maybe, but I'm gonna bet no. But just to, just trying to remove that financial pressure out of your life. That like, like dude, like you're just. So I think my generation is is taking that the concepts of like that that thirty year career and kind of turn it on its head, right? Like my parents, I mean, they did put their time in. 
hit that age at 60 so-and-so and they're retired, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, people do that and are very good at it and enjoy that. And like that security and that sense of self. And that's good. That's fine. It, I just happen that that's just not for me. What's this timeline? You're thinking five years to kind of reach that goal. I mean, when are we seeing you move to Phuket? That's what the, uh, that's what all the, the, so they really want to meet you. The fans, yeah. they want to hear your long fucking stories <laughs> at Hugo hub. They're going to know exactly who to avoid. Uh, yeah. I saw him on the podcast. Saw that guy. He's going to tell you a fucking, no, I'm joking. Run. Yeah. No, again, I, Hey, I held this back for joke. an hour and a half. Yeah. I did my best. All right. Now cats out of the bag. Don't worry. We're going to wrap this up soon. So, I would, yes, I would like to do it in my five-year window. But again, like, I mean, life, you know, what, what's to say? Like, uh, man makes plan, God laughs. You know, like, yeah. who knows? Yeah. Just, I hope. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's believe, achieve, succeed, and <laughs> I don't know. I just made that up. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, well, like, but it's it's at least these these type of niche pro projects they have that potential where you know the the competition yeah. comes along like we were talking about they see you've uh taken revenue from the, their portfolio and they kind of do crunch the numbers do the math come and shake your hand sign a check and walk away type of thing yeah i mean that's that's the plan that's the idea plan. yeah so everyone this this is if you want to make some money and retire find a product <laughs> go to yeah. china piss off some large corporation <laughs> and Hopefully they show up with a check. It's so it's so simple. Easy. That's it. Easy. Hans, you hear that? That's all you got to do. I mean, do you watch like <laughs> YouTube and all those like those stupid like yeah, oh real estate or do this or oh all you do is resell on Amazon. All you got to do is this or I have this magic formula to to take in all these products. I'm like oh my god, dude, people buy this. No, I they, bought them. I bought a couple. <laughs> did you? Yeah. I believe it. Well, you, for the Amazon stuff, when you learn that, you got to find the fundamentals. Otherwise, you're kind of going in naked. But at yeah. least with YouTube, the information, it's free. It's easy. You can kind of yeah. get the grasp of it. Most of those programs are like if you're purchasing them, whether it's like crypto trading, Forex, it's all a scam at the end of the day. I mean, yeah. you can learn it on your own. Or Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, but I think we're like, as a society, as people, like we're getting this like this, this skewed data, like this get rich quick, and like this oh, just you know, travel the U.S. in a van, and it's so cool, you know, and, like oh, I could just put pictures on Instagram and I'll get paid for it. Like yes, there are success stories. Clearly, there are success stories, but like nine times out of ten, it's just it's not reality. It's not how it works. Yeah, a lot of it's smoke and mirrors, just yeah. hot air too. I mean, you meet I've. So, let's say these Instagrammers as well, like uh, they might be showing they're living this great lifestyle, but behind the scenes, what are they doing? A lot of them are penny pinching along the way. Like I've, I've talked to a couple of them where they're like, they're literally just, they're not really getting paid. It's like they can go hotel to hotel to do a post to stay there for free. But do you really want to live like that? You're basically a, a gypsy hobo at that point, yeah. in my opinion. So all you fucking van Run around. All right, cut me off. <laughs> Get me all fired <laughs> up. <laughs> all right. Uh, we're going to wrap this up before I piss off the rest of the world. We've had a long day, but hey, check out my pajamas. I need to get another pair. They're so comfy. I pretty much wear these all day. My girlfriend's like, you need to wash them. So uh, shout out, Mika. We need more pajamas. Um, before we wrap it up, maybe Marty will get some clients out of this. Um don't worry, he won't talk your ear off on the phone. He's a great guy. 
He's a he's a great housemate. He's been over downstairs. He's a, he's he's amazing. So we'll pass that back to Marty. How how can people get in touch with you if they're looking to um, connect with you on the sourcing and China side and that business as well? How can they reach you? I think everyone should contact Brandon's no. media manager. <laughs> Do not. Yes. <laughs> Don't tell them Do my you secret. Want his phone number? I will give no. you his okay. personal. That'll never make it online. Phone number. Oh, I think it will. Just give them your goddamn <laughs> website or yeah. get out of here. You can contact me at. Um, Don't give your email. Your website probably. Uh, yard dog. And and any of the China side sourcing, if people are looking to Merlco Consulting, M E R L C O Consulting dot com, yeah, Merkel Merkel cons- Merkel Consulting, yeah, the German yeah. prime former prime minister what, Merkel. What does Merkel stand for? It's got to be like it's got to be the names Marty Edith. I got the first two. <laughs> I definitely got the first two. What's the R? Damn it, I hate you so much. Was I right? Yeah, you're right. So wow. far, so uh, Ryan and Luke were I two other it. early guys yeah, that like. Faded away and co is company. It was not lying. He's not that crazy. Oh, <laughs> okay. Damn it, I got caught. <laughs> We're cutting out. Uh, <laughs> we don't know how to end these. Um, let us know in the comments what you think about Marty. And uh, if you can guess what is that game in the background, it is obviously a hockey game, but what game is it? Okay, thanks for watching. Subscribe and do all that stuff.